listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Well, it's Pentecost Sunday. And um, we're going to talk about unity this morning. In Acts 2, which I'll read in a moment, it, it, it talks about how they were all in one accord. They were in unity. But explain a little bit about what Pentecost is on Good Friday this year. Good Friday, we remember the death and the, we remember the death of Jesus and the price that he paid for us on the cross. And then three days later, we celebrate the resurrection. On Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate we celebrate his resurrection. And so what happened after resurrection is Jesus walked with the disciples. He talked with them. He was on the earth and and he walked with them and taught them things. And I often wonder what are all the things that he taught them. They can read a little bit of it, but there's not 40 days walking with Jesus. Like that whole story just it wrecks me. Just all of it. Just how they were following him and then they watched him die and then they must have felt incredible grief, obviously, hopelessness, and then he rises again, then he's with them, then he's walking with them. Like, just their life must have been feeling like it was turned upside down over and over again. And so he walks with them for 40 days, restores Peter. And then on the 40th day, Acts 1, 40th day, Jesus tells them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come again, another unknown to them. What? What does that even look like? What does that even mean? But he tells him to go and wait, and he ascends on the 40th day. He's gone, and I love it if you read Acts 1. Read Acts 1 later on today. If you read Acts 1, they're like, Jesus is there, and then they're all talking to him, and then he ascends, and it says they're just standing there like, <laughs> another unknown. Is he coming back? He came back last time. Do we stand here for three days? I don't know. And angels show up, and they're like, what, what, are you, what are you waiting for? Why are you just standing here? Go do what you're supposed to do. And so they go off and, and, and they gather together and they begin to pray. They don't know how long they're supposed to be gathered together. They don't know how long they're waiting. This, they don't know. But they're following Jesus together in the upper room. And for 10 days, they wait for the Holy Spirit. Penta means 50. And so on the 50th day, the Holy Spirit shows up and changes everything. And we celebrate Pentecost Sunday because it's the Holy Spirit with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. My goodness, I want to know you more. I want you to become so real that you're not just a thing, that you're a person and you're present within us and among us and you endeavor to move even greater, become alive in us, open our eyes to see. 
Let this morning, let this Pentecost Sunday be something that sets things in motion for the biggest move of the Spirit of God like we've ever seen. Let it set something in motion in our hearts and in our lives that cause us to hunger and thirst after you. Let it set something in motion that causes our hearts to become knit together to make a place for you to come in even greater ways. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Show us places in our lives and in this church that we keep you out so we can remove every obstacle, every door shut, every man-made box. We want you, Holy Spirit. We want your ways. Thank you, Jesus. So Pentecost means 50. <laughs> in 50 days, the Holy Spirit shows up and they're together. So Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each other and then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amazing. Imagine. We were talking about this at youth on Wednesday night during Bible study. Imagine you're been there for 10 days you're praying you're praying and suddenly all of a sudden fire comes in the room and then it splits up and you know there's wind and I just imagine but the key thing here is that it says they were all together in one accord they were all in unity they had come together and Adam said last week when he stole my quote, which I forgive him for, but <laughs> he, he said, Charles Spurgeon said that the Holy Spirit didn't come and bring unity. He came because there was unity. Unity is a very powerful thing. We're going to read it in Psalms in a couple of minutes, but there's anointing in unity. If we want corporate breakthrough, we need corporate unity. There are, there are things that happen in our personal time with God and it's good. It's not, it's not that you forego personal time with God, you should do that too. It's not this or that, it's both. But quite often in our culture, we, we really focus on the me myself, my personal time with God, and, and that's what matters the most. But there is just as an emphasis on corporate, on togetherness, on unity. If you want to see a move of the Spirit of God, it will come through corporate. It will come through together. It'll come through us together. If you wanna see a move of the Spirit of God in your city, it'll take corporate unity. If you wanna see a move of God in your country, it will take corporate unity. 
It will take the church coming together because there is anointing in unity. Look at Psalms 133. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. That's anointing oil. That's anointing. That's priestly anointing. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded a blessing. He says there is anointing in unity. When we come together and we are united, there is anointing. But there's not just anointing, there is a commanded blessing. I mean, who's up for blessing? <laughs> there's a commanded blessing in unity. If you want the fullness of God, you'll see it in corporate. Because he joined us together. He called us together. He fit us together. Matthew 18:20 says, "For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you where is he right now with us when two or three God loves unity where the verse one puts a thousand to flight and two puts ten thousand to flight it's that that's that's anointing that's corporate breakthrough one puts a thousand, but man, add two. That's bigger breakthrough. That's, that's bigger atmosphere changing. That's, that, that's a bigger effect. It's commanded blessing. And this is why the enemy opposes unity. He always opposes unity. That's why when you are on your way to church, that you and your spouse get into arguments so that disunity begins to happen. That's common. Or fights break out, or why you walk in the door and suddenly you feel offended. You feel rejected. It's the enemy opposing unity because he knows what unity does. He knows what, what happens. There is anointing when God's people come together and they are joined in unity. There is an anointing that shakes hell. There is breakthrough that everything this is the enemy, everything that we've worked towards. That God's people show up together breakthrough happens that's why you see on the news right now you see it on social media you see it everywhere you look everywhere you don't even need you, you could have no social media and no TV and you could see 
disunity right now throughout the whole earth. Disunity. Racial fights breaking opinion after opinion of, of who thinks that, well, that's not how I think. And so there's a divide that begins to happen. You see um, maskers and anti-maskers and vaccinators and anti-vaccinators. And I believe this and I think this and I, I follow this political person and I follow this political person. And it causes a divide. And as Christians, we should be very aware as to what's going on. There's no rest in that. There's an uneasiness that comes because it's disunity. And when we begin to see that kind of thing happening as Christians, we should be even more aware that disunity, that the enemy is operating in disunity. More than I've ever seen in my lifetime, I have never seen this kind of disunity where people are terrified to say what they actually think because they're not sure what might happen to them. And I began to think this, that, that, if, that, that if we began to notice as Christians, that wait a second, there was disunity here and there's disunity here and there's disunity here and there's disunity here. The enemy is at work. And that it would be a call, it would be a sign to us to be like, wait a sec. We need to come together. Wait a sec, I need to check my own heart. I need to check my own life. Am I holding on to my opinions and thoughts more than whatever? I need, I need to check on to, I, I need to come together with the body of Christ. We need to begin to pray and not get involved in it. Pray. Maybe it looks like me keeping my mouth shut. and just speaking the word of God instead of what I think. Recognizing that nothing ever happens in the natural realm without happening in the spiritual realm first. And so when you see disunity happening all over the place, you know the enemy is stirring something else. That means, how do I say this? That means that there is a call that means that God is operating in unity. I believe that never before, more than, more than ever before, and God has always been in unity, but I believe more than ever before, he is calling the people of God to come up higher and to become, become unified. More than ever before. And so when you can see the enemy operating in disunity, you know that God is calling for unity because the enemy's going after it. First Corinthians 1.10 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body, living in perfect harmony. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves, having a common perspective with shared values. I love this verse. He says, for the sake of the name of Jesus. 
Maybe not for your sake, <laughs> but for the name of Jesus. I said this in God Talks the other day that when we first started the salon, we put the name of the salon on the back of my vehicle. And I, and I drove around with it. But at first, I had to constantly be reminded that my road rage and my dirty looks that I gave people was no longer okay because I carried a name. And the way I acted while carrying that name would actually sway whether people wanted to come to that place. And you know, it's interesting even looking back because I had to correct myself often, but you know, even just having that thought in mind actually caused a heart change in me. Why am I acting like that? Why do I drive like that? Why, why am I so angry with people? Why do I think it's okay to smile at their face but then behind a steering wheel glare at them? Why is that okay? I remember my daughter saying to me, one time when I was, you know, calling somebody stupid or something like that, I remember her saying, Mom, do you think, <laughs> do you think you're the greatest driver in all the world? <laughs> and so I just kicked her out of the car and drove home. She walked, it was fine. <laughs> but that hit me, it was like, no, I am not the, I, I should be offering mercy. I am not the greatest driver in all the world. But my point is, is that we all carry a name. Jesus, we carry Jesus. That's the name that we carry. And so this verse says, for the sake, for the sake of the name of Jesus, I urge you, he says, I am urging you, agree to live in unity. In other words, that's something you have to decide. It's something that you have to agree. Your difference, my difference, our different opinions, I am still deciding that I have been called to you and so I agree to live in unity with you. Then he goes on and says, and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart, understanding that en the enemy will always bring division because when there is division, you are deluded. The enemy always attempts to bring division. So he says, put to rest, put it to rest. So if I have unforgiveness, if I have bitterness, if I have whatever it is, hurt, because I agree to live in unity, I am going to put to rest. Maybe even the bias that I have towards you. because I recognize that it's attempting to tear us apart and I will not partner with the spirit of division. It's that serious. If, if you're partnering with disunity, you're not partnering with God. So he says, be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. 
As I was reading this verse the other day, I heard the Lord say, Megan, I want you to guard unity because you value my name. I want you to guard unity because you value the anointing. You value it, guard it. I've told you this before, but I remember one time, and this is nothing against another, another person at all. It was just my own, it was a teenager and we used to compete in our school that we went to. We would compete in singing and compete in all other things, but I competed in singing and I hated it. I hated it so much because I felt like it put this pressure on us to perform rather than just worship. It was a Christian school, so obviously it was worship songs that we sang, but it put this pressure on me to, to perform. And I knew that I could sing maybe follow notes, but I was nothing, nothing, nothing without the anointing. And then there would be people that would get up and they just had beautiful voices, way, way better than me. They'd win every time. <laughs> better than me, but I remember, and I'm not saying that I'm great, I'm not saying, I just, I, I just knew that I was nothing without the anointing, and I would, I, I, would, I would watch them, and I remember one in particular, she really thought she was all that, and she could sing, man, she could sing, but there was no anointing, and I remember sitting there 13, 14 years old, and I remember saying, I don't ever, ever want to do anything that's apart from your anointing. And I later on taught competing with the kids and that's what I would say, I would tell them that story. All of them know that story. I'd say, you get up there and you'd say, it doesn't matter. I may, I may be in a competition, but it doesn't matter more than anything. This is for you and I need you. I can't do this without you. I need you. And so even in the middle of this, we say, I value unity so much because I value the anointing of God and I don't want to do anything in my life apart from the anointing. So I value the anointing. Romans 12, 5 says, so we being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That stood up to me. I, we're many. We're many. And we're individually, but we're of one another. So I am part of you. You are part of me. I am an individual. I have an individual part to this body. I individually do something that brings life to the body, but I am part of you and you are part of me. It is not just me. When I received Christ, I became part of the body of Christ. And so did you. We became part of each other. And that's where the blessing is. That's where God commands the blessing as we become part of the body of Christ. There's a commanded blessing. It is not about me. It is about us. It became, it became about us. That's why Jesus prayed, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Father, make them one. That was the prayer that Jesus had for us. 
or why he taught the disciples when they said, Jesus, how do we pray? He says, say, our Father who art in heaven. Not mine. Our Father. In James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's healing in us together. Psalms 34.3 says, join me, everyone. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's make his name famous. Let's make his name glorious to all. It's about us coming together. The, the most important part in a service like this isn't how good the preacher preaches or the message that they bring. It isn't how good the worship services or the songs that they sing. Those things are all wonderful. The most important part is your response. is your response. In Hebrews 10.25, it says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Isn't that funny? I mean, we've just come out of it and it has become a habit for us because we haven't been able to meet together. So the scripture takes on new meaning when it says, as some have formed the habit. Well, yeah, because we haven't been able to meet together, but now the doors are finally open, but COVID has put things in motion that it makes us comfortable to not have a need to gather together. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago where, you know, you, there's the stages of isolation. If anyone has been isolated before, you go through these stages where you're first you're mad that you're being isolated. And then after, after the couple of days wears off and you kind of settle in and, and you kind of begin to figure out how, you know, you're going to make it work. And then you go through the stage of missing people and you wish you could just be out. And then you hit the stage where you're like, I don't ever need to leave my house again. Totally fine. I, I love this. It's like hermit life. It's not, the way, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And there's things that have been set in motion even by COVID where it says, I don't need to be with people. You need to be with people. I don't really need to go to church. You need to meet with the church. That's your lifeline. That's who you're connected to. You, you need each other. We need each other. That's what the Bible says. Don't neglect. Don't neglect the gathering together. we should come together, verse 25, even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. You know, there are days that you may feel like, I don't, I don't need to come to church, or I don't, I don't need to come on Wednesday night, or I don't need to do whatever go to men's thing, or I, I, don't, I don't need to do that. Or maybe it's, I don't, I don't need to call that person for coffee or I don't need to meet with them. I'm good. I don't need people right now. That's a me thinking. You may not need to show up at church on Sunday. You may be so full and filled, but someone probably needs you. 
they probably need you there. Someone probably needs you to worship with your whole heart because the, because it encourages them, because they need you to switch the atmosphere on beside them. Someone needs you. And so there is a perspective shift that says, I'm not just showing up because I need church, because I need to be filled. There are those days though. But when it's not those days, it's I need to show up at church because I am part of them and they are part of me. And somebody probably needs me. Maybe they need my smile. Maybe they just need to see me there because I've always been a pillar. I'm the happy person that they look to. And they've never talked to me, but maybe they just look at me and I just need to show up and be there because I'm part of the body. I used this example, I believe it was from the Holy Spirit this morning in the first service. That what if I was scheduled to preach one Sunday morning? I'm, I'm scheduled to preach, but I woke up and I just wasn't feeling it, you know? Just like stayed up late last night, I'm just not feeling it. And so I don't go. I just don't show up. And so church starts and the host opens and Charity leads worship and then it comes time for there to be preaching and Charity's looking for me, but I'm not there and everyone's kind of wondering and now they're sitting down and they're waiting for somebody, nobody comes. And so I didn't show up for my part. And I was there to minister. But understand that I may be the pastor, I may be the preacher, but I am a minister called by God, a priest and a king, but so are you. That's the, pers that's the perspective, that's the shift. I'm a minister, you're a minister. And so I show up. I, I show up because someone needs me. The body of Christ needs me. know that there is online and we are so thankful for online absolutely 100% and it fills an incredible need and we have seen salvations through online and it has been awesome and I'm not that's another way that God is moving but it doesn't change the fact that, that you're needed and you need this and we need this, and it becomes about us. And even if you are newly saved, just got saved, don't know anything, just learning, you're still needed. You're, you, you received Christ into your life, you became part of the body of Christ, and you were grafted in, and now suddenly you are a vital part of the body. And you being there matters. It brings life to the whole body. Unity. The reason that God can't fully bless you the way he wants to is because your me has become more important than your we. There is a commanded blessing in we.
So Acts 2, verse 40, ending with this, it says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together. My version says they were together. Oh, there it does. It does too. Okay. They were together and they had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all so anyone had need, as anyone had need. They were all together. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, they're in unity, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of hearts. I said this in the first service, get ready to open your hearts, or hearts, also that, homes. Get ready to open your homes. We're gonna live more open lives. I believe God's calling that to more open lives, hearts homes so they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved they were together they were open they were meeting together there was a switch that takes place from it being about me and being about we of being about us When you get into me and my, it's in the place that the anointing is withdrawn and the blessing is withdrawn. Because there is a much bigger blessing in the place of together than in the blessing of me. There's a much bigger blessing in the place of together than there is in the blessing of me. I just want to end with reading 1 Corinthians 1.10 again. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus, agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart and be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. Father, I just pray over every person here and every person online. And I thank you, Father, for your, your spirit of restoration that would cause restoration of hearts, restoration of homes, restoration of lives, restoration of people, and restoration of community. And Father, that you would call us to come up higher. So Father, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us, Father for the times that we have caused division and disunity with our words or with our actions. Forgive us, Father God, for the times where we've held to our opinions more than compassion for other people. Forgive us, Father God, for 
unforgiveness that we've held and bitterness that we've held and felt justified in it. And Father, right now we release those people that we've held in captivity because of unforgiveness, because of bitterness, because of wrongs done. Father, we release them. We release them. Father, we release them. Father, I send them to you, I give them to you. And I release them from that hold that I've had on them. And in this moment today, Father, I thank you that there is a perspective shift in our hearts and in our minds that goes from me to we. That I would see, God, that there is a higher calling to see myself engrafted in the body of Christ as part of them. And Father, from this moment, I thank you that this is a place of unity where breakthrough happens. But in this moment, Holy Spirit, you are knitting hearts together. And I just speak to the spirit of rejection. Let us say that you're broken in the name of Jesus. The lies that you speak about other people, you are broken in the name of Jesus. Causing people to be hardened one to another, you're broken in the name of Jesus. The generational line that's come down, I break you in the name of Jesus. You came against the Spirit of God. You are broken. And Father, I thank you in those places in people's hearts that you are healing. You are bringing healing and you are filling it with your Spirit right now where rejection left the spirit of God fills in Jesus name in Jesus name and I thank you father that everyone here and everyone online is restored in Jesus name and that we choose to walk in unity incredible blessing comes from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Sean? For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.